0: Why is it that pain and suffering have a tendency to make us feel isolated? How is it that loneliness can sometimes carry so much power over us? Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, has descended below all and has done what he has done. And because of that, none of us has to ever be alone again. Brothers and sisters, hold fast to that hope. He will find you. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding, that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up.
1: To stay strong in my faith, I feel like um, reading the scriptures really helps me, especially when I'm like really seeking for knowledge and really trying to get something out of it. Um, I can pray that the Spirit can be with me to help guide me through that.
2: The way that I keep the faith is by choosing the right friends. The people that I hang around really have a big influence on kind of the direction that I'm headed. So I find that as I hang around the right people that I end up keeping my standards and the things that I hold close to me. How I hold on to the truths of the gospel and doctrines and teachings is by remembering my own personal experiences with the Holy Ghost and those promptings that I've had because they're real, they happened, and I can't doubt them. I stay firm in my faith by being me. I just like to be an example of someone who's uplifting and positive, I try and be kind to other people and my friends, and I just try and serve, and that's how I stay firm in my faith.
0: Welcome, everybody. My name is Ben Lomu, and I'm your host. Our gospel scholar for today is our good friend, James Goldberg. James is a writer and historian with the Church History Department of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. James, welcome. Good to be here, Ben. And next to James is our special guest, Jenny Cooper. Jenny is a transcriber for deaf and hard of hearing students at BYU and is the founder of Broken to Beautiful Events where she teaches and shares her love of the Japanese art form, Kintsugi. Jenny, thank you so much for being here.
3: Yes, I'm so grateful that I could come.
0: And we're excited to learn from you and a little bit about your story and your experience. And we're also joined by our studio audience. Thanks for joining us today. And for their viewers at home, thank you for being here. Throughout this discussion, we'll invite you to share your experiences with us on any of our social media platforms. For downloadable resources for study and teaching, visit byutv.org/comefollowup. Today, we've selected two topics to discuss that relate to the passages found in Hebrews chapters 1 through 6. These topics and discussions support and build upon the Come Follow Me resources. And the two topics that we are going to be discussing are first, Jesus Christ suffered all things so he can understand and help me when I suffer. And second, hope in Jesus Christ is an anchor to the soul. We'll expound on these topics and then take a deeper dive later on in the footnotes segment of the show. Okay, so as we turn to our first topic, James, Jesus Christ suffered all things so he can understand and help me when I suffer. Can you give us a little bit of background into the book of Hebrews?
4: I think one of the things that has made this book so enduring and helped so many people have spiritual experiences with it is that one thing we know for sure is that it was written at a time and to a group when when people were really struggling. So a lot of people think it was written in in the years right before the temple was destroyed about 40 years after Jesus death. Okay. And so you have these people who have been waiting for Jesus to come back again and waiting for so many things and it's been like 30 years and apostles are starting to get killed one by one. And so Hebrews is written to people who are just getting tired and it's hard to keep being a disciple and hold on to this thing.
0: You know, and we see that happen in life often where sometimes you go through those moments where you're just tired, you feel like you're just, the world is coming down on you. And, and we're really excited to have uh, Jenny here with us. Uh, you have some experience with this, with going through some things. You might just give us a little background on your story.
3: Yeah, I love Hebrews. Um for similar reasons, you know, that you talked about these groups of people really struggling and just maybe being tired from all the hard things they're going through. And for me, I've struggled with mental illness throughout my whole life and have just been through some things that are difficult in the last few years with um, a divorce. So these scriptures really resonate with me.
0: As we go through these things and the role that Christ plays, what are some things that Hebrews can teach us about, some of the things that he went, went through that we can try and connect with?
4: So it's interesting when we talk about Messiah, mm-hmm. we, we have all these associations and our best understanding of some of what people would have thought at the time is like, this is gonna be a king who delivers us okay. out of the situation we're in and, and makes the world better, right? And brings in that messianic era. The thing that you get in this book in Hebrews is a depiction of Christ not only as as that king, but also as a priest, somebody you can come to with problems, who can do the sacrifices for you, who in this sort of temple language can lead you toward that holy of holies. Because you think about it, you can hope for an outside person like a king to change the world, But a priest is the one you come to. When you go to the temple to offer a sacrifice, that sacrifice represents your sins, your troubles, your hope to just get back into God's presence again. There's a beautiful verse in chapter 4, verse 15, where the author of Hebrews kind of describes what they're getting at with this image of, of Jesus as our priest. And it says, For we have not an high priest." which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So really emphasizing that Jesus knows what it feels like.
3: I like in there in verse 15 too that it says, you know, he was in all points tempted, you know, and the, the footnote for tempted B, 15B, says it also can mean test or try. And so I think that kind of helps us understand that it wasn't just you know, his physical agony that he endured, but also was just, you know, being a mortal being, you know, and being susceptible probably to just different ailments and different things, or even just being judged or being left alone.
4: Yeah, early in Hebrews, they're interested in saying like, this is God's son, Mm -hmm. right? He has a special status above any angel or other heavenly being, there's something special. And yet he comes below, right? He's, he's going to die. He's going to live in a body like we do. And, and in chapter 2, verse 18, there's this other nice passage. It says, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And I like Jenny's point that it's, it's broader, right? Both t- temptation towards sin and just the trials of life. Yeah. Because he went through that all, he's able to succor us. Yeah.
0: So I'd love to hear from the audience on that uh, subject what you just talked about. How have you drawn strength knowing that Christ suffered and what that allows Him to do for us? Scott. In my darkest
5: moments, I try to picture Christ alone in Gethsemane. Here's somebody who deserves more credit, more love, more respect than anybody that has lived on this earth, and yet he was the humblest. And in that setting, he was completely alone. And one of the largest challenges I've gone through in my life is losing my father uh, five years ago, and then a younger sister three years ago. And there's nothing that can take away that pain. But when I picture Christ alone in Gethsemane, he knows what that feels like. He knows what it feels like to be alone in those very difficult situations.
0: And Scott, how does knowing that help strengthen that relationship with the Savior?
5: One, that He knows me personally. And two, that I can get through this, that there's hope in the future, that I'm not going to be without my loved ones forever.
0: You know, I, you talked about how Christ went through some of these things so that He can succor us. And and I see as Scott is talking, there is that level of comfort. Can can you talk to us a little bit about the word sucker and what we can learn about him through that?
3: I know I looked up the definition and I think there's a few and they're all about like someone running to you, you know, to, to give you relief in a time of need. And I, I love that. I like to think about that visually, what that would look like. Like if someone's going to run to you, that means they're aware of you and they care about you.
4: Yeah, a lot of times the, the Greek word there was like in battle if you really need help, kind of an SOS, okay. right? <laughs> We're in trouble here, SOS, help us. And then the, the succorer, right, is the one who's gonna give that urgent aid, right? It's not just, it's a little stronger than ordinary helping out, okay. right? It's that help with a sense of, of rush and rescue,
0: you know, Alma teaches uh, a lot about this, about Christ and and the things he went through and his ability. James, you mind reading uh, if you have that? Alma chapter seven, uh, verse 12, talking about the things that Christ went through and what that allows him to do for us.
4: He says, he will take upon him death that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people.
0: And he will take
4: upon them their infirmities. I love that. You have the broader...
3: Yeah, not just reference sin. of
4: temptation is mm-hmm. not just in their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. In other words, there's this image of like Jesus knowing not just in his head but in his gut, mm-hmm. right? What it feels like, what you're going through, so that he can can rush and help.
0: So, Jenny, is there a difference in somebody who's been through a similar experience versus someone who has it in their ability to to comfort you
3: yeah i think there is i um i think both are still great but Mm -hmm. there's this deeper feeling of um just being seen and really heard and understood it's a different level you know when someone can say i've totally felt this feeling before or you know when i've struggled with anxiety and like panic attacks before i remember speaking to a friend um and I tried to speak to other people about it, and they were they were just trying to be calming and comforting, like, you'll be fine, it'll be mm-hmm. okay. But she was able to tell me from her own experience with anxiety, I've had this happen, sometimes it can be days, but I can promise you, this is not what you will feel like forever. And just having someone like truly be able to promise that because they know felt very different um, and just a little bit more comforting, and I felt a little more hope from that.
0: And I would imagine talking to somebody else who had experienced yes. a divorce was a lot different before and after your own experience with it
3: yeah and that is such a a big experience i think you know that not everyone can relate to and so when i did find other women who have been through that it was i i feel like i'm doing it even now it's like you can take this deep breath you know and just let out this weight knowing that you're sitting there with someone talking with someone that gets it you know it's very different
0: so now we bring that back to christ and uh, James, how important is it to know and understand that whatever it is we go through, that we can turn to Christ?
4: Well, I think it is that he, he gets it, he feels it, he understands that, and he's going to give you time. And actually, it's kind of funny in Hebrews because you get this sense sometimes that the writer is a little exasperated with people, like guys, you've got this great <laughs> salvation. Don't give up now. <laughs> <Okay>. Don't quit. <laughs> Um, and, then, and then alternating between the writer voice going, don't quit, and the Jesus voice going, the, there's this priest there for you.
0: You know, I want to watch this question and see how we can turn our experiences around to help others uh, going through difficult challenges.
2: Hi, I'm Tammy from Queen Creek, Arizona, and I work with our incredible young adults And my question is, how can I help them to better understand and more importantly, to feel of the mercy and grace that Jesus Christ has for each one of them?
0: What are your thoughts on that, Jenny, on helping others feel and learn how to turn to Christ in their times of need?
3: One simple thing that I think everyone can do to help people is just listen. Uh, It's funny because I think we all want to be listened to, but it's really hard sometimes (laughs) to actually do that for other people. (laughs) but just listening to people and really validating them. You don't have to agree maybe with what they're saying, but to just say, oh, that would be so hard. Mm -hmm. Just kind of repeating back what they're saying, just so they know like they're being heard. Um, And I also think we actually can connect and empathize with people more than we might believe. Uh, We might not go through the exact same things, but if you can think of some underlying emotions or feelings, you probably can connect with those. So feeling you know, a loss or feeling really doubtful or scared um, or like life is out of your control and you're not sure how you're gonna get through the next day, I think everyone could probably relate to those feelings. So you might actually be able to connect with people more than, than it might seem at first, just hearing about their experience.
4: Yeah, and I think to Tammy's question, So sometimes we rush and we wanna tell people right away, right? Mm -hmm. There's grace and mercy, Jesus can fix it. But first we need to take a second with the it. Okay. (laughs) What's the it needing to be fixed? And that's where this, this listening and those things come in because as Christ's disciples, we can emulate him, right? And we can try to understand. And that understanding alone isn't everything, but it's sure an important step. So I think the first thing we need to do is just give that space to make sure people know that they got their distress call out. And then we can do the thing where we say, no matter how crazy it is, no matter how hard it is, it's okay, mm-hmm. we can fix this, right? At the at yeah. the time though, we need to just yeah. have permission to talk.
0: You know, there are things that we all experience, but the underlying common denominator through it all is Jesus Christ and his, not only his ability, but his willingness to to comfort us. We have a wonderful quote by Linda Reeves that speaks about this. And she says, whatever sin or weakness or pain or struggle or trial you are going through, he knows and understands those very moments. He loves you and he will carry you through those moments. He has paid the price that he might know how to succor you. Cast your burdens on him. What a wonderful reminder that we can always turn to Him. Thank you so much, both of you, for your comments on this first part of our show. And for the audience, again, thank you for uh, participating. And for you at home, find us on Facebook by searching for Come Follow Me TV and share with us your thoughts on how we can find comfort through Jesus Christ.
2: Hope is absolutely essential. I've definitely needed it to see me through hard times because I found that when we're at our lowest, if we have hope, it doesn't matter what we're going through because we are going to make it out in the end. For me, hope
6: is not giving up in, um, in the moment when things are hard and allowing Heavenly Father and, and Jesus Christ to uh, push you towards the future that you may not be sure about. But having that trust of them is hope to me.
2: For me, how I've built my hope in Christ uh, really comes down to my experiences on my mission because I had to rely on Him the entire time. And it was a great experience, and it helped me draw closer to Him, and I've been able to bring that with me in my life, and I plan to keep it that way going forward. (laughs)
0: The second topic we're gonna discuss today is hope in Jesus Christ is an anchor to the soul. James, you mind giving us a little bit of uh, context behind this topic and where it fits in within these chapters?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So this book spends a lot of time going back to the history of the covenant people and what different generations have been through. And so in chapter six, they're talking about Abraham and Sarah. And the promises made to them that God would bless them and multiply them. And then to close out the chapter, um, starting at verse 18, it says that by two immutable things, those blessings, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So for Abraham and Sarah, they didn't have the kids, but they... They knew and trusted they were coming. And we live in this world where we want a safe place, we want a refuge, and this is a hope set before us. And then it says about Jesus, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And this veil part is beautiful because the image is the temple and there was a veil between the rest of the courts where they'd offer the sacrifices and the Holy of Holies. And so Jesus is this priest who went before you into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence and is ready to bring you now. He's gonna anchor you to this hope that then drives you forward on your journey.
0: Well, let's go to the audience. I want to see, what do you think about the comparison of hope in Jesus Christ to an anchor? Carly.
1: Um, I love that you put it as an anchor because Christ is like our foundation. So when we are kind of drifting around in the world and we're just like having a hard time and struggling with stuff, he can always be our anchor and he's our hope that we can look upon when we're uncertain about things.
0: So Carly, where do you think that strength comes from that helps you to always choose to follow Jesus Christ?
1: Um, Usually it's the Spirit that can come to us um, and can help me feel that what I'm choosing to do is either right or is like the wrong decision. For me, it's usually a warm feeling inside that what I'm doing is right and that where I am is where I'm supposed to be.
0: Jenny, what thoughts do you have on, uh, as we talk about, maintaining this hope in Christ, uh, that comparison with an anchor.
3: I like um, that Carly brought up too, like an anchor is used for ships, you know, and boats is to keep them steady when things are, you know, the water's moving around. And I love that because I feel like the moments that I need hope the most is when I feel like I'm, you know, really tempted to either doubt things or be afraid or question, you know, what I'm feeling or what I'm gonna do. But knowing that he's always steady, he's always there, mm-hmm. that to me is that anchor for me is knowing he's always there and he's gonna keep my mind coming back to that center of peace.
0: You know, and if ever if you've ever been on a boat, you know, you have the anchor that's holding the boat not steady. Because the boat still, still, it's gonna sway and it's gonna twirl, but it keeps you centered. It keeps you from really veering off. Because I, I, I think it's important to understand that being anchored in Christ doesn't mean that life is gonna be perfect and you're not gonna be tossed about, you know, with, with the waves at times. But that you always know where your center is. Yeah, and I think that
4: what can happen without an anchor is is we drift and lose that connection. There's a phrase I love uh, in Hebrews 3, verse 13. And there's this advice, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Today might last a long time, right? (laughs) Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sometimes maybe sin deceives us by convincing us there's something better out there. I think as often as that, sin deceives us by making us feel like we're cut off. Like we've okay. lost that connection right. from God. And so we can become hardened, we can become stuck because we lost our way and without the hope in Christ, we don't know how to reconnect to that heavenly home.
0: So how do we maintain that hope? When you're going through something difficult as you spoke about, Jen, how do you maintain that hope that you can keep going forward?
3: Yeah. It's something that, you know, I've experienced before, but even just recently, sometimes I think it happens a lot. Sometimes you might go through something where you're feeling hopeless and you find a way to hold on and you think you'll never struggle with that again, but then maybe you go through a a different trial years later and you're kind of back in that spot where you're not really sure. I I know for me, what's helped is kind of, again, going back to like these small, simple, basic things has been really helpful um, for me to just hold on. Um, And I, I think it's, I think I've had kind of a shift too in understanding what hope or faith really is also is um, it's not doing some big production or whatever. It's just, yeah, finding those ways to really connect to him um, and really believe that he's there. And so even just saying a prayer, I think, praying is so much more an act of faith and hope than we might think it is. Um, It's saying that we believe someone's really there listening, this God, this Father of ours that knows us and has a plan for us, and that His Son, Jesus Christ, can actually help us through something. Um, And so I know for me, my prayers have become a lot more personal because of that. Um, And sometimes they've just been moments of kind of like Crying out and kind of tell Heavenly Father, like this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling so hopeless right now, but I I have like this little inkling of hope still left that that things will be be better. And so I'm I'm talking to you now. I'm connecting in this way, even though I'm not so sure. I I want to believe that something better is coming.
0: Uh, what more specifically can you tell us about the difference in your prayers during the good times versus the times of trial and need?
3: I think in the good times, what helps me keep that perspective is gratitude. Because I feel like, I I don't know, I feel like in the difficult times, you're just kind of desperate for that hope and that feeling and reassurance to kind of get you through little by little. But in the good times, you don't have that kind of same need. Hmm. But I try to still look for God and involve Him and connect with Him and see Him in my life through gratitude. So I, I don't know, I feel like somehow that kind of, I don't know fills up this well of hope within me that makes it easier to get some of that hope during the difficult times it's like i've seen him all these other times though in these good times in my life he was there every day in these little ways so i have to believe he's here in these difficult times if i've seen him you know for months and years on end so many times he can't have left now
0: you know one of the jenny i don't know if you know one of the great blessings about having james with us is he's a he's a brilliant scholar But specifically today, James, you can relate very much to uh, keeping that hope in Christ during times of struggle as you've been very open with some of the health challenges that you go through. And with with both of you here, I would love to hear some of your thoughts on that concept of really honing in during these difficult times on how good Christ is.
3: (laughs) Deep breath.
4: I mean, I remember, so when I had cancer, you're very prone to infections Mm -hmm. and then it gets really dangerous really quickly, right? So I had this fever they call neutropenic fever where your immune system isn't fighting it off, right? You're just really sick and I could not sleep to save my life. And when you don't sleep, you go a little crazy, right? Like so much of the way we think is related to our bodies too, right? And that's maybe one reason it's important to have an anchor is because there's some range to what we're gonna be physically capable of thinking at a given time, right? So I remember I could only sleep if I like packed ice around my head enough, which is crazy, right? Um, But I'd have just a few minutes at a time, but they've got crucifixes on the wall and just looking over at Jesus and going, okay, right? Like, okay, I can can make it, I'm gonna just keep this is what I can do, right? What I can do right now is try to sleep. I remember around that same time too, feeling like I can't read anything. Like I'm too out of it. So I'm just gonna remember. What do I remember from scriptures? Let me tell myself the story. Wow. And that was my scripture study. So I think, yeah. yeah, I'm a believer in that. You do what you can do. And then Jesus as our, as our priest, right? steps in and helps carry us and do the rest to get us back toward, toward that presence, toward that temple healing.
3: And I think it's important to remember, like, we're not supposed to do it all. We're, we're not supposed to be the ones that take us through to that end point. You know, we, we need to lean on him and we're supposed to. That's what he's there for. So.
0: I love this quote by President James E. Faust, where he says, everybody in this life has their challenges and difficulties. That is part of our mortal test. The reason for some of these trials cannot be readily understood, except on the basis of faith and hope, because there's often a larger purpose, which we do not always understand. Peace comes through hope. Maintaining that peace that, you know, during some really serious, you know, things that happen in our lives, it can be very, very difficult. Um, I would just love to come back to the audience. What are some things that you do to maintain that hope in Christ during difficult times? Jeremy.
6: One thing that I, because like often like the future is really uncertain and it's it's hard to know like what's gonna come next. And one way that I try to look towards that future with like some some hope, I guess, is to remember that Heavenly Father and, and Jesus Christ, I have my best interest at heart and they're not gonna lead me astray as long as I'm trying to do my best.
0: Jeremy, can you talk to us a little bit about how you know that?
6: A lot of it is like making sure I have that connection with him and um, making sure that I like, that I kind of know where I want my future to be as well. And so like reading my patriarchal blessing helps a lot with that.
0: Okay, so we're gonna play with this little analogy with the anchor for a second, okay? So I'm gonna pretend that you're on the boat, Christ is the anchor. What would you say is that chain that's connecting the boat to the anchor?
6: I would say that um, my, I don't wanna say it's just my effort because it's also like his willingness to to reach out to me and and my willingness to accept that. Um, I think that's a big thing is like, just not so much just our like our, our works, but also our willingness to accept the power of, Christ into our lives like it, it could be so easy to forget about that chain during those times so I yeah I think that's probably the most important because like if not you're in that pride cycle that you see in the Book of Mormon
0: that was really good <laughs> Jenny you talked about this a little bit uh, what are some some physical things that um, that you have done to help you maintain and keep that connection with Christ
3: yeah I can think of a few um, but something I'm I'm thinking about right now is the kintsugi that I've done. Kintsugi is this Japanese art form that symbolizes healing. Um, And usually, you know, if we break something, like if a bowl was broken, Mm -hmm. you'd probably just want to get a new one or have it, you know, repaired so it looks flawless again. But kintsugi kind of embraces and enhances those breaking points by highlighting them with gold lacquer or glue as it's put back together. And I love that because you might have gone through something that's really difficult, whether it was because of, you know, just the trials of mortality, your own choices or the choices of others. And you might be tempted to want to just forget about them um, and appear flawless to other people or, or, I don't know, get back to a place where you never knew that kind of pain before. But the Kintsugi to me is like highlighting those places that Christ has come into your life. It's a way to say, you, you, you know, He can come in and heal you. You have these broken parts, and that's actually where He can enter into your life. And you don't want to hide that. Uh, I think without Christ, you do. You, you feel the shame, or you just feel embarrassment, or mm-hmm. regret, or remorse. But when you let Christ in, it's actually this joyful, beautiful thing to show people, you know, that He has been a part of my life. He has been here. And this pottery completely just shows that off.
0: Thank you, Jenny, for your comment. I really do think that seeing something like this gives us hope because we all have flaws and we all need Jesus Christ to help us, you know in whatever difficult time or trial that we we go through. And James, thanks again for always being willing to share of your your story and your experience with us. And for the audience, thank you so much for for being being here with us and for sharing with your spirit and your testimonies with us as well. And for those at home, we still have much to cover from the book of Hebrews. Stick with us for footnotes, where we'll examine these scriptures and topics a little further with James and Jenny.
2: The Spirit communicates with me just through this sensation of like a warm embrace. It's like um, sometimes I feel like I'm alone or I feel like I'm going through something really hard. But when I feel the Spirit, it's just like, this overwhelming feeling that I'm where I need to be and that I'm loved. I feel it every day when I'm just living life normally. I feel it when I'm working, when I'm playing, um, when I'm doing school. It's just a constant reminder of who I am and it helps me to accomplish everything that I need to do.
6: I think the biggest way that the Spirit speaks to me is that I feel this warm feeling in in my heart. And I may not always know what to do before, but it always confirms to me that like the step that I took is the right step.
0: Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions about Hebrews 1 through 6 with James and Jenny. Okay, now I'm getting a little nervous here, James. (laughs) I'm sitting here, and I see you with a hammer. What did you bring us this time? <laughs> I brought nothing.
4: This is Jenny's art, and and it's got some spiritual lessons in it, so, so yes. we're going to learn from Jenny. Okay, okay.
3: So this is an example of Kintsugi right here. This is one that I have made. For me, this is really symbolic about healing after moments where you feel broken. So we're going to let James break one of these bowls, kind of like I've had these women do in these classes I've had before. So over here, we have a whole bowl. It's it's great, that's how it looks flawless. And I think sometimes that's how we feel in life, mm-hmm. you know, before we've gone through something difficult. Um, and in here, again, another bowl that's perfect, flawless, it's it's whole. But this is the one James is going to break. Okay, uh, We'll get to see maybe some symbolism, even in this process of the breaking. Um, the bowl is going to be flipped upside down um, and James will cover it even with this towel, which you could see it as sometimes you feel like you're kind of covered in darkness, you know, like you can't really see anything else, but your troubles and what's going on. And then the breaking comes. And so- Before we break it,
0: I'm I'm a little caught up on this covering thing. No, I'm not nervous, I promise. Can we talk about that for (laughs) a second? Yeah, Because you said something how you cover the bowl and sometimes you feel like you're in darkness, but as we've talked about- there are a lot of things that this covering could represent. For example, right. uh, one thing I thought of is sometimes we feel safe and protected and that nothing's gonna go wrong. Right.
3: I, you know, you Everything's know what I mean? going great. Everything's going great. Yeah.
0: I'm just happy and cozy under my little blanket and all of a sudden life happens yeah. and, and you get shattered. Uh, can you think of any other, uh, while we have it here, before we <laughs> smash it, uh, what other representations can we use with this covering?
4: There's lots of times where life does feel thick around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that either can happen. I, I had a friend who used to say, he was a blacksmith, and he said, if ever I feel like I'm just glowing, I'm on fire, I start to watch out. Where's the hammer? What's God gonna make me, right? And, and maybe sometimes it is that, but I think sometimes in life too, you're aware that things are difficult, but you don't know... Maybe they're gonna how end. bad it's gonna get, okay. or how long. I think a lot of times when you're you're going through a hard time, our, our first human impulse is to just adjust and make this normal, mm-hmm. and to see how we can do just living, yep, this is my Maybe life, this is it. almost ignore it,
3: like, okay, yep. everything's fine still. And I would say sometimes it's been really hard for the women in these groups to break the bowl. You mm. know, like some of them have actually had emotional reactions, you know, really? like, I don't want to,
4: so. Okay. We're ready? Okay. So I'm thinking of how life is sometimes right. together and we're passing through some things and maybe sometimes there's some adversity mm-hmm. and we're fine. We're not different. Right. And then maybe...
6: Yeah.
0: See what we got. And
4: it does, you know, there's times where you just kind of know in the moment you're not the same. No. Yeah. Right? And that even when this is over, you're not gonna feel the same.
3: Mm.
4: How do people feel when they open this towel back up and look at it?
3: I think sometimes they have an expectation like, oh, I think it just broke in like one place. This is great. And then (laughs) then they, you know, know, you you might've thought, oh, he hit it twice, I heard it. You see it fall and think maybe it's just like three or four pieces, but then when there's more, it's almost overwhelming. And so I can walk them through, you know, what you need to do to put it back together. And they're, you know, mixing this epoxy glue with some gold gold glitter, and we put it on, you know, one side at a time. You know, you don't want to, like this piece right here actually, I think, connects to both of these. So you could do that all at once. But if there's other points that have broken across, you need to make sure you only have the glue where it needs to go or else it could dry and then it doesn't connect later somewhere else. You might be like, okay, this is it. Now let's rush in and and get to the healing and be done. Mm -hmm. And it's like this reminder of just You've got to hold it together until the glue dries. It could be five, six minutes. You know, talk to the people around. You listen to this music maybe that's playing in the background and, and it's okay. It's going to come together. You've just got to wait a few minutes.
4: It reminds me a lot of those images from Hebrews. We talked about anchoring like a ship, but there's this anchoring of pieces together, mm-hmm. right, that we're joined back together. And there was that theme of what does it feel like to wait and wait on the Lord and stay faithful not just for a day, but as long as it is called today. Right?
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, seeing this, it's one thing to have you talk about it and even just see a picture. It's a whole nother thing to actually experience this. When you smash the bowl, it's covered. And sometimes people don't realize what's going on underneath. And you really have to show some vulnerability to like open this up and say, this is what I'm really like. Yeah. You see this outside, like maybe life is great. You have like, all the pieces are together. But underneath, there's some real suffering that is going on. Yeah. That unless you allow yourself to open up, that healing can't take place.
3: Yeah. And I think that even has to happen sometimes for you to admit it to yourself um, and to go to God with it. Because I know for me, sometimes I've gotten caught up in the idea like, well, he knows. I don't need to tell him. I'm just here suffering. Please help me but it, it almost feels vulnerable sometimes, I think even praying about it or just even kind of admitting it to your to yourself like, I, I'm i not okay. I'm really not okay. And it feels really scary to do that, but there is such a relief that, that comes the moment you do because then healing actually can happen. I've heard um, S. Michael Wilcox say a lot that we need to pour our hearts out so that there's space for the Lord to pour in. And I feel like that's, that's how I envision like being honest and open about what we're going through, no matter what it is or why it's happening. But whether that's opening up to like a trusted individual or professional or going to a, a doctor, you know, for some a physical thing or, you know, just admitting to yourself or God, that's a way that you can just get those feelings out there to start healing.
4: And that collaborative component does kind of come up in Hebrews, right? That it's not healing and faith are not things we do all on our own, but they are, They're not something God does all on his own either. Like they they need to happen between the two. In chapter four, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. So we want God's rest. We want that promised land, right? But it's possible we'll come short. And here's, here's what it says as they're thinking back to the children of Israel who were brought out of Egypt But then in the wilderness, some of them, like Egypt, was still so much in their heads. In Hebrews, it says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And I love that image of of pour your heart out so God can pour something in. You've got to mix together Christ's power and your faith, and that's where that healing can happen. Yeah,
3: yeah I know for me, um, going through my divorce, you know, and even just things leading up to being in that marriage was something for me that I kind of knew wasn't right from the beginning. And I I had felt impressions and promptings that maybe I shouldn't pursue the relationship or continue it, but... Uh, I think I wasn't in the best mental state as well with my mental illnesses, so I didn't really trust myself um, because sometimes I've had those experiences with anxiety or depression where your brain's kind of making up stuff anyway, and it's not always true, and it was really hard for me to decipher between that, um, but it also kept, you know, reoccurring, and I just kept kind of playing it down, um, and it became apparent very quickly after the marriage that it that was the spirit. Um, and I felt very much like this. (laughs) And um, I remember I went to a retreat for women And they did this activity and I had heard about it before from other women in in support groups and therapy groups, but I had never done it. And so I was so excited to get to do it. And I had all those same emotions that I talked talked about other women having, like kind of nervous to break this bowl. And then when it happened and seeing it, it was a huge turning point for me and just accepting that this is where I'm at right now and I, I need help. I think before then I was trying to solve all my problems and it just, that wasn't working. And I think it's because I can't do it alone. None of us can do that alone. We need the Savior and we need to have faith. He's the one that comes in and heals us and makes us, you know, symbolically like this, put together and whole again. And for me, the Kintsugi, this gold is highlighting that, that that atonement of Christ and his healing and enabling power. Uh, And so I see that a lot in me.
0: Um, oftentimes when we hear people talk about trials, you know, they express, I'm so grateful for this trial because it made me a better person. And I think sometimes we misunderstand that, you know, <laughs> when we say that or we misspeak, can, you, can we talk a little bit about that, about really focusing too much on how, well, I'm glad this trial changed me.
3: Right. Yeah, I think for me, what I think of when I um, look at my own trials and the healing that came Is that the trial or the difficulty or or regret, whatever it might have been, that's not the thing that softened me or made me, you know, become better or stronger or changed in any way. But it was the savior because time uh, or a trial can't really do anything for you on its own, you know. James smashed this bowl, this is representative of a trial. It, it's not doing anything to bring it to this state of wholeness and change. Someone else has to come in and pick up these pieces. And it's a slow process that happens little by little and you know, over periods of time. And so for me, I love to think about how it's not the trials that change us, it's Christ. I think
4: Jesus can meet us in a lot of different life experiences and it's all material that he can use, right? But yeah, the trial on its own, if we don't mix it with the faith, the way Hebrews told us to, then you can end up, you're just in that difficult thing. And then we have the other scripture we'd alluded to of Hebrews 3.13, where it says, "'Lest any of you be hardened "'through the deceitfulness of sin," right? We can be hardened by trials, right? We can be deceived by the ways we're broken and feel like this is just it, this is who I am now, Mm -hmm. right? right? Okay. Um, Or this is who I'm supposed to be and I can't ever get back there, right? There's all kinds of of problems, but yeah, it's it's that separate step to get through. It's beautiful.
0: So James, one of the things that we talked about earlier We know about Paul and his mission and his goal to bring people to to Jesus Christ. And then we have the book of Hebrews. It's kind of thrown in here. There are a lot of themes of Christ. And so sometimes we assume that, well, Paul was the the author of this book. Uh, To kind of go back to what we hinted to earlier, uh, do you mind kind of talking to us a little bit about the setup of the book of Hebrews?
4: So the Bible, the texts are older. This is true, not just of Hebrews, but of everything. The names are much younger, Mm. right? Nobody, if it's a letter, we don't have the envelope and the date on the top and signed at the bottom, right? So we ended up with the text and later generations, sometimes a couple generations later, they'd try to go, what is this? Okay. So for this particular book in the King James translation, it's not true of all translations. It's called the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews. Every piece of that might be misleading, okay. right? Because the epistle, it's an open question. Is this really a letter? Most of Paul's letters say, I'm talking to this branch. Okay. And this is from Paul and say hi to this person. And how's this person doing? And oh, I forgot to mention this other thing, right? <laughs> Hebrews is more like an, an essay or a sermon where it's developing this one theme. So it may or may not be an epistle. It's also called to the Hebrews probably because it reviews the history of the children of Israel and kind of connects that to Christ. And a few generations after the time it was written, that might've felt like, oh yes, some members of the church were Jewish and they're from Jewish families and lots of us are not. In Paul's generation, every branch of the church has a lot of Jewish converts. That's how they started. And then there might be people where the family was mixed and there was maybe a Jewish wife and a Gentile husband or some people who were just Gentiles but who admired Judaism and came and heard. So there wouldn't have been like a separate place where the Jewish Christians were okay. independent of Gentile Christians, right? So that might give you the wrong image of what the early church looked like. Okay. And then that last part, of Paul the Apostle. Now, it's definitely consistent with Paul's theology and teachings. So most scholars think whoever wrote this would have been someone close to Paul. There's a couple reasons to wonder whether it was Paul who wrote it. And that's something religious people have been wondering for early church fathers. Martin Luther didn't think it was Paul. Mm. This is not a new question. Number one, Paul studied as a rabbi, and it feels like, at least for his religious thinking, Hebrew just felt normal to him, right? That's how he would have studied. And his Greek is like, a lot of immigrants can probably relate, like you can speak a language, but you're still kind of working your way through. Missionaries mm-hmm. are used to, I can make myself understood, but I got to kind of <laughs> translate from my, if you're Paul, my, my rabbi school brain into the, the common Greek that's spoken in the Roman empire. And his letters show that. Okay. This book, has some of the most beautiful Greek in the Bible. Okay. It has tons of words that don't show up anywhere else because it's a much bigger, different vocabulary. So if Paul wrote it, somebody wrote it with him, and somebody who then in writing style also reigned in his differences, et cetera. So that's, that's one thing is just the writing style. Now, beyond that, Paul usually says I. In Hebrews, we have a little bit of I late, but mostly there's these we sections mm. And then within one of the we sections, it says the gospel of Christ, which we were taught. Paul is consistently clear in his letters that the one who taught him the gospel was Jesus when when Paul was traveling up on the road to Damascus. So the fact that Hebrews doesn't make that claim is another reason. Anyway, lots of reasons. Now, do we know who wrote Hebrews? No. People have wondered, and I think sometimes We need to be comfortable not knowing Mm -hmm. and feel okay about wondering in productive ways. Another theory, there's a couple named Priscilla and Aquila who come up like six different times in the New Testament. They were tent makers like Paul, Mm -hmm. good friends, well-known missionaries. And some people, because of the whees, have wondered, did this couple write the letter? And that's kind of fun to think about, uh right? That is fun. One other thing I'd like to wonder about, we don't know the exact timing but we know it's at a hard time when some people are ready to give up. And I have wondered if this is a book written after Paul dies, when all of his friends and all the converts he meant so much to are going, how do we go on? And who was it who was willing to step up and say, don't give up, don't cast away your confidence, yeah. Jesus is with us, we can do this. Yeah. And I love that idea, right? That, that any of us at any time could be that disciple who, who lose a leader we love and, and step up and fill in and call people to faith.
0: And interesting how it's not pointing you to Paul, it's pointing you to Christ.
4: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not just scripture because Paul wrote it, <laughs> right? It's scripture because it testifies of Christ and his spirit's there and we can meet that power in these pages. And so that's why it doesn't bother me to wonder, yeah, was, was this Paul, was this somebody else? Well, it's Jesus, yeah, right? Yeah, Is Jesus working through his disciples?
0: Jenny, what I do that. you think?
3: <laughs> I, I love that thought, and granted we don't know, like you've been saying, it could be anything, but I do love that thought of these people were in this time of trial and hardship, more was coming, but someone there, was still hoping and wanting to mm-hmm. instill that hope in other people.
0: So throughout the book of Hebrews, there are a few different um, comparisons. One of them we talked about, Christ as the anchor, the author, and, and the priest. I was wondering if we could kind of touch on those things, especially you being an author, <laughs> having this comparison. What are, we, what are some other insights we gain from these comparisons to these three different things?
4: It's really comparable to the lessons we got out of this art project, right? That if your story began here and this is here, then you can go, I'm strayed, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if you let Christ be the author, then there's another end to get to, right? Sometimes in the, in the New Testament, you'll have author paired with finisher, the author and finisher of our faith, right? Because he launches the story and he's going to complete it.
3: And I like that too, uh, because I felt like in times in my life when I've gone through something really difficult and I feel like this is it, like my life is just meant for pain or sorrow or struggle or whatever it might be. But remembering like, no, the Savior doesn't allow these things to happen to us just to leave us as we are. Like He is a mm -hmm. healer. He's the healer. And He's the Savior. That means He's really good at it. That is His job is to finish it, like you said, and that's what this is. He's never going to leave us in that place.
0: You know, to, to, to go back to that reference, uh, chapter 5, verse 9, just like as you guys were saying earlier, we had talked about the idea of uh, becoming perfect and why he's able to, to help us, why he can be the author. Uh, and being made perfect, he became the author, not of the moment, but the author of eternal salvation. He knows where we are going, where he is leading us.
4: And when we're here, we're not going to feel like here, right? And that's natural. That's part of the story, right? You're allowed to live in this chapter and go, this is really hard right now. The thing that is, is a tragedy is if you give up and end up just waiting here a long time because you're not ready to move to the next chapter, okay. right? The chapter where we start to slowly... Piece of glue by piece of glue and holding bits together, make something new and work, work toward that eternal masterpiece that Christ knows how to make.
3: Yeah. I've been stuck in that place before, in this place, you know, just so focused on what has happened, what I'm lacking, what what's been difficult for me, or oh, my mistakes. You know, it, it could go on for a long time, but it it feels so hopeless in that place. And and I've realized that. I'm feeling hopeless because I'm, I'm focusing on this negative, and I'm also trying to be the one that, that puts myself back together, which isn't possible, but when I'm able to focus on Christ and realize that he can come in, I feel a lot more hope, and it it takes away that sting. I, I think that's part of the atonement of Christ is taking away the that initial sting or like at least the depths that you felt. And for me, it's really shifted my mindset to not make it about my sins and my weaknesses or my trials, but about his victory and his ability to heal, which is so much more enabling and really just hopeful.
0: That was wonderful. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Jenny, you're amazing. <laughs> I I have learned so much from this, and I felt like just rejuvenated in in my own abilities to to turn to Christ in in those times of need and to really look to him. And James, as always, you're so great at just uh, contributing and and letting us learn from from all the hard work you've put into your years of study of the scriptures. And so thank you both so much for what you've added to this episode today. And for those watching at home, thank you so much for joining us in this discussion from Hebrews chapters 1 through 6. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions that you've received. For study and teaching material, visit byutv.org slash comefollowup. Next week, we're studying priesthood, ordinances, and more in Hebrews chapters 7 through 13. Come
5: Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.